Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of John. John chapter 21, please. I want you to stand with me, and then we're going to read. Uh, you'll follow along with me as I read. Starting in verse 6 of chapter 21, of course, this is a familiar story to all of us, but we're going to look at it for a few moments tonight and, and try to get a th- few thoughts from it that I think will help us. John chapter 21, looking, starting in verse 6. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple, whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art, art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jodas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto the Lord, he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter turned, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee. That was something that he said while they were having the Lord's Supper. In verse 21, Peter seeing him, saith unto Jesus, Lord, what shall, we, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will, that he tarry till I come. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. And when he had, uh, and went, uh, sorry, they went saying abroad among the, then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that the disciples should not die, yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die, but if I will tarry, uh, will that he, he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? 
this disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Let's pray and we'll begin with the message. Father, we ask your blessing upon the message tonight. Help us to be a help to, the, to all of us, even myself, Lord, especially me. In your name we pray. Amen. This is an incredible story, one that we've all been taught and told. But there are two, in my opinion, apart from Jesus Christ, two main characters in this story. One is Peter, of course, who uh, Jesus began to chide somewhat in asking the question, lovest thou me? And it was very perplexing to Jesus because if Peter knew that Jesus knew all things and he knew Peter's heart, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind, and I don't think any preacher's mind, that Peter loved Jesus very much. Now, he just failed Jesus Christ, but that didn't mean he didn't love him. And, uh, but Jesus was asking a very pointed question that Peter was having a hard time understanding the answer. And then he takes Peter and he walks with Peter uh, for a period of time. The other character in this is, is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Here, Jesus asked Peter three times, or, and, and says, lovest thou me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then they write in Scripture the disciple whom Jesus loved. And of course, God used, through the Holy Spirit, used the men of old to write Scripture and used their personalities to write. And six times in the book of John, you find that statement, and John described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then to, for Peter, then to be chided by Jesus Christ about his love for Christ. It had to be a very interesting and uh, tumultuous moment for the apostle Peter, and an interesting time and a and, uh, factual time for the apostle John. But often, as I've read the story, my mind goes to the question, why was John the disciple that Jesus loved? I mean, why did God give him through Scripture using his personality to pen the fact that he was one that Jesus loved? And uh, why was John chosen to be, to be that person, to have that unique relationship with Christ? Or why, wasn't, why was John considered the disciple why, why was he considered? I mean, this was a unique relationship that he could have. He was considered the one that loved Jesus. And did Jesus love John more than the other disciples? Those questions are asked a lot. I mean, if, if the Bible is true and he was a disciple that Jesus loved, why, why did he say that about the other disciples? So he must have loved John more than he loved Peter or loved any of the other apostles. Now, you and I, we don't believe that, and the Bible doesn't say that he did. It just says that he loved John. And God used John and John's capacity for love in a unique way to pen a lot of great scriptures that we use today. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And because John understood love. And he was, if I may, if I and could put it this way, he was skilled at loving Christ. And his relationship with Christ was unique to him. Did not mean that the other disciples didn't love Christ, because they did. It doesn't mean that 
Jesus loved John more than he loves you, or more than he loves me, more than he loves anybody on this platform. God loves us all. Jesus loves us all. But his relationship with John was incredibly unique. We all tend to covet other people's relationships. Boy, I wish I had that kind of marriage. Boy, I wish I had that relationship with Pastor Wilkerson like so-and-so. Or I wish I knew God like so-and-so. I wish I could pray like so-and-so. And we all kind of covet those relationships and wished we had that, those positions in life, and especially with God. I mean, we've all heard Dr. Williams pray, right? How many of you have heard Dr. Williams pray? And haven't you thought, boy, I wish I could pray like him? I wish I had that relationship with God like he has. And you probably, like, like I have, thought, boy, God must love him more than he loves me. But every relationship that God has with every person he ever created is unique. I can't say the word unique without going to Don Boy. Don Boy used to tell a story. He said, how do you catch a unique rabbit? Unique up on him. And uh, so I can't, I can't ever say that word without thinking of Dr. Don Boy. And now it's stuck in your head all through the sermon tonight, every time the word unique, unique rabbit. But we all, we all want things that other people have, especially when it comes down to relationships. You see somebody getting along with somebody that you would like to get along with and think, boy, I wish I could get along with them like they do. But the truth is, when it comes to God and when it comes to Jesus Christ, God has a unique relationship in store for each and every one of us. You know, when we, uh, we were getting ready for our youth conference this summer, and we got a host of preachers coming. The great men of God, I believe, are going to grace this pulpit and preach to this whole lower floor here filled with teenagers. And you know why we use a lot of, a lot of different preachers? Because it takes, for a large crowd especially, it takes a lot of different personalities to get, get their points across to a lot of different and unique personalities. Because every single young person that will be sitting in these seats right here is unique unto themselves. They have their own DNA. They have their own fingerprint. They have their own personality. No two are alike. God never made any two human beings exactly alike. Even though Brother Harold here has an uh, identical twin brother, they are very different. And uh, uh, Andy is much smarter than Tim, and uh, if you've ever been around them. If you've ever heard their stories growing up, you'll, you won't believe either one of them are smart. But, but the truth is, even, even in their uniqueness, they are different. And to God, every one of us, have, we have our own fingerprint with God. We have our own DNA with God. And we can have that relationship with Him on our individual basis as God has planned and hoped for for all of eternity. You ever have a friend that was unique? And when I say the word unique, I, I'm not, I don't mean kind about it. I mean kind of weird kind of a friend. Every one of us have had friends like that. I already mentioned Brother Harold. And, uh, but, but we used to have a, a fellow work here. His name was Ken Ingstrom. Um, Brother Jerry, are you back there somewhere? Yeah, you, you know who I'm talking about? Both Jerry's, yeah. Brother Oswardy and uh, you guys... 
You guys work with Ken Engstrom, maybe one of the most unique uh, uh, mechanics I've ever met in my life. He was a pack rat. I mean, he was a hoarder. He, he was the king of hoarders. We would forever have to go and clean out his shop and the basement where he would find, we find nooks and crannies where he'd store parts and, and transmissions and seats. His van, he had kept every, every single White Castle box he'd ever eaten from. And every cup of drink, everything, his van was loaded to it. He would literally push things out of the way so he could steer. But he could fix anything. He could fix anything. He was in charge of our youth vans. We owned five of them at the time. And uh, several, a couple of buses. We'd come back from the Bill Rice Ranch in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we always left a trail of buses along the way home. And, uh, but one was left down in Indianapolis. And he was asked by Keith McKinney, who was overseeing uh, Ken and the buses, he was asked by Keith to go down to Indianapolis and fix that bus and uh, get it back here at least. And so Ken took off. And uh, it was gone for three days. And uh, he got back, and, and Keith says, Ken, where you been? He says, oh, I went. You told me to go to Indianapolis and get that bus. He said, that was three days ago. Where have you been? He says, I've been getting that bus. He said, what in the world took so long? He says, because it did. He said, he goes, well, how would you get it back? He said, well, I went down there and drove my van down there and fixed it. And then I drove my van back a mile and walked back a mile, got the bus, drove it two miles, walked back, got my van, drove it two miles, walked back, got, got, my, got the bus, drove it two miles, and did that all the way home. You do the, you, Dr. Kelling, you figure out how many miles he walked, okay? But he walked back and forth from Indianapolis. Now, you and I could have thought of a thousand different ways that were better to get, uh, a junior higher would have thought how to get the buses back better than Brother Ken did. But the truth is, anybody that ever knew Ken loved him. He was just a great guy, but unique. And when I ever think of a unique person, he comes to mind, along with that rabbit. And Ken, but you know what? Ken also has a unique relationship with God. You know, many of us could have a difficult time having a relationship with somebody who's different, who's maybe even mentally different from us, or maybe a different race even. But to God, God has the ability to have a relationship with every person uniquely. You're sitting here tonight, and you're wondering if you could ever have a relationship with God. You can. He created you different from everybody else in this room on purpose because he needed that unique relationship from you. You know, I wondered that John here, he felt that, that love from Jesus Christ, and Jesus acknowledged that love for him. I think because John acknowledged it back to Jesus Christ. He was not ashamed, to, obviously, to tell others that he loved Jesus. The word love is mentioned, I think, 46, 47 times in the book of John. And John's new name, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was six times in the book. He didn't care. He didn't care what people thought about him and what he thought about God. He just wanted everyone to know that he loved Jesus. And he felt that his relationship was exclusive to Jesus Christ. 
Now, the Bible doesn't say that he boasted about it and, and put other disciples down because of it. It doesn't say that he loitered it over others and thinking, you know what? Jesus doesn't love you. He loves me most. He just let it be known that he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. You know, I've never struggled with living my life for the Lord and giving my life to God. I, I never have. But let me tell you something I did struggle with. I struggled with why would God want it? Why would God want my life? How was I significant to God? But John figured out right out of the gate that his life was unique to God. And his relationship was unique to God. And God's to him. It was unlike any other relationship he had. And no doubt I believe John loved the disciples because he was a man of love. But his relationship with Jesus Christ just took lead. It took lead. You know, the Bible teaches us in Psalm 139, 14, and David wrote, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You know, it was David that mentioned that God formed him and knitted him together and put all of his personality and all of his parts and all of his, his organs together uniquely for him. Yeah, the human body is the same all the way around with the different, different organs and so forth and the number of toes and fingers, but everybody is uniquely different in one way, shape, or another. But David knew that it was God that did that, God that made him, and God that formed him, and he was unique to God, just like you and I are. And here's the message. God made you unique. However, your relationship with him will be as unique as you want to make it. God made you different. God made you the size you are. God made you with the, the brains that you have. God made you and put you in the home that you were supposed to grow up in. God took you and, and placed you exactly where you were supposed to be in life. And however your relationship becomes or grows in God, that's your choice. Because all Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. Follow me. And the rest was up to them. And their relationship with Christ grew because they wanted it to grow. Boy, I wish I could pray like Brother Wilkerson. Well, you know what? You will never be able to pray like Brother Wilkerson, but you can pray and have a unique prayer life with God if you want. Well, I'll tell you what, I wish I could preach like Brother Judah and, and command the pulpit like that. Well, you may not ever be able to do that, but you could have a unique relationship with God and serve him in your unique way. If a Ken Engstrom can find a way to serve God as unique as a man he was, you can too. And I say that, I say that respectfully. But you want to sit back in church sometimes and let everybody else do it and let everybody else do their thing and wonder, boy, I wonder if I, God would ever use me or, or what if God could use me. Yeah, he's already called you. You just got to surrender. You just got to give up your will. You just got to do what the disciples did and, and work hard at getting close to Jesus Christ and love him. God made you unique. However, your relationship with him will be as unique as you want to make it. Number two, don't make your relationships to men or people more than your relationship to God. My relationship with men should always be enhanced or should be enhancing my relationship with God. 
Everybody around me, God expects you and I to have relationships. And I love these men on the platform, and we all work together uh, very, very well. And I don't know of any, any chinks in our staff's armor, and I mean that. And uh, I do believe we all work, like, work together as a team. But all of our relationships are great because they all should push us to God. And those people in your life should make sure that your, your relationship with God is enhanced because of it. Otherwise, it'll detract from it. You want to get upset because somebody in your life passes away. And I understand that because our lives are inter, interwoven in relationships with others. And when we lose somebody, we lose a Wally Ferris or uh, we, we lose some great people that have been here over the years. Think about Brother Colson just the other day and, and, uh, and what the joy that I enjoyed serving with him on the staff here and his unique relationship that he had with this church and with all of us. But when he died, God didn't. And when we fall apart, when somebody else passes away and goes to heaven, it's because we had a better relationship with them than we had with God. And I, I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody. I'm not even thinking of anybody at this time. But I've been in enough funerals in the last few years to see people fall apart and get out of Kelter because, and uh, get out of church even because they can't, they can't understand, uh, you know, how God took their husband or God took their son or God took their friend or God took their loved one. And, <coughs> and listen to me carefully. That relationship is great. God expects us to have that love and that camaraderie towards one another. But it all should be to promote us to a better relationship, a unique relationship with God. Because of our friends and mentors and parents die or leave, it doesn't mean that we should fall away from our relationship with God. The Bible says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So that's, that's a good, good thing, right? But then he ends that verse in verse 24 of Proverbs 18, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You may lose a close friend, and you may lose a loved one, but don't forget, you still got Jesus. You still got the Son of God. You still got that unique relationship with God. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Well, it's, if you don't understand that and you don't get it, it's because you've not been working at it. You've got, to, you've got to work and make sure that you get in touch and get in that relationship with God on your own. Number three and last, enjoy God's development of your unique position, your unique position, relationship, and placement in this world. Enjoy God's development of your unique position, relationship, and placement in this world. When I started off, I started saying that our relationships with God are all unique and different, right? So that means every position in this room, your position in this world, in this church, is different than everybody else's. Responsibilities are different. Talents are different. Spiritual gifts are different. You had three people, four people singing just a few moments ago, all saying different parts. They all sang the same part. They, three of them weren't necessary. But God gave them all unique voices and talents. And here you had the junior hires and uh, 700 of them that sang, I guess, up here. A lot of microphones over there. But they all sang, and, and they all sang in harmony, all singing their different parts with different tones and all, all together making beautiful music. 
And that took work, and that took effort. But those different positions in life in, are, are unique to you, and they're for you. And you may get tired of your position, but God may have you there on purpose. Let God move you. Let God change you. Let God pick the, the, the levels for you. You know, I was thinking, as I was studying this point about young Joseph, God had given him a great dream that he thought one day everybody would be bowing down to him and he'd be some kind of ruler to his family and he was going to become somebody. That didn't happen for a long time. He found himself in prison. Was he in God's will, though? Yes, he was. When he was running from his master's wife and left his coat in her arms, was he in God's will? Yeah. When he was forgotten about in prison... Was he in God's will? Up to the point to where his brothers sold him to slave traders? Was he in God's will? Yes, he was. And the one thing Joseph never forgot, he never forgot his unique relationship with his God. He never turned on God when his master's wife wanted to sleep with him. He said, I cannot do this against my master and my God. He never forgot his relationship with God when he was in a state of being forgotten by the human world. But I don't think he ever thought God ever forgot about him. And he ended up fulfilling that position that he once saw in his dream because he always kept that unique position with God. You know, if Joseph had ever just ran like Satan tries to get many of us to do. Now, my pastor failed on me. You know what? Forget it. I can't live for God. Satan says, you're right. You're right, but you're going to have, and you listen to that, and you run from God. The apostle Peter tried to. He didn't really know what to do, so he went fishing. And Jesus calls him back and says, as we read, you know what, Peter? You're different from John. I get it. But you're going to be strong for me. You're going to live so fervently for me that you're going to end up being a martyr for me. Now, that may not have excited you, but it probably excited Peter to think that he was going to make it. And Jesus was telling him he was going to do well. Satan will try to get you to forget it, try to get you to think differently, try to, try to get something else, try to get another position in the Christian life. But just as you can be as unique to God as God is to you, you can become something great and wonderful for him. You know, when developing a relationship, one of Brother Wilkerson's friends came and taught our staff, and Brother Wilkerson uses this quite often. But there's three things that everybody wants in a relationship, and one is the three questions they ask is, can I trust you? Are you committed to me? And three, do you care about me? And that may not be so true with everybody else in the world, but Jesus fulfills all those questions. He answers all those questions. He said, Brother Eddie, I'm, I'm 10 years of age. What can God do with me? What significance do I have with him? You just get close to him. You just learn to walk with him. And God will show you a unique position a unique place, a unique purpose, 
and you'll get down the road in the end of your life and realize, wow, that relationship that I have with God is so different than everybody else's. It's just mine. It's just mine. You know, that relationship starts with you knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you don't know him, you will never understand that purpose that Jesus formed you for and that unique relationship he has always looked forward to having with you. But it starts with you accepting him as your Savior. You're sitting here tonight, I don't care how many years you've been in this church, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I beg you tonight, don't leave this church, don't leave this building. You're listening online tonight. You know what? Just stop where you're at and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. There'll be a number at the end of the service tonight on the screen that you can call and we'll be happy to talk with you. And take a few moments and open a Bible and read it to you over the, over the phone and show you how you can know for sure Jesus Christ is in your heart. You feel like you're different? You are. You're not weird. God looks at you through the eyes, his eyes, because he created you. And he created you on purpose. I wish I lived in somebody else's house. God says, I put you in that home. I wish I had different parents. God gave you those parents. Those parents were God's will for you. They may have not been in God's will, but they are God's will for you. Well, I wish I could sing like those kids did a little while ago. You can sing with a voice that God gave you. Well, I wish I could do this. I wish you could do whatever God expects you to do because he designed you to do what he wills. You're a unique person, so am I. And let's, let's be mindful of that, and let's thank God for that. If you don't know him tonight, I beg you, would you trust him tonight? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and I'll close the service by asking you before I pray, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, even sitting here right now, you say, Brother Lepina, I have some questions about that. I'm not sure I would go to heaven. I want to, but I'm not sure about that. Would you pray for me, Brother Lepina? Would you just say a word of prayer for me tonight? If you just slip up your hand so I can know where you're seated. And I may not know your name or see your face, but I'll see your hand. I'll be around after the service tonight. Be happy to show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. 